0: Amen. Praise God. And uh, listen, if you found your seat and you're comfortable, grab your Bible and open it to the third chapter of Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter three this morning. And uh, if you're here uh, and kind of new to the fellowship, can I just say to you that if you need a copy of God's word, we would love to give you a copy. I know so many people use the digital phones and and tablets and whatnot. And that's great. But if you want a printed copy and you don't have one, we believe the greatest investment that we could make into your life is the gift of Scripture, of God's Word. And so we would love to do that for you. See me after the service and we'll get you a copy of God's Word. And also, as we're thinking about resources and uh, just talking about wanting to be able to equip you to respond to God with Scripture, but Uh, Also, if you notice uh, at the bottom of your notes, I mention this because this is new for all of us. This is a new thing that we're experimenting with. At the bottom of your notes, there's a QR code. Sometimes as you listen to God's word being preached and taught, uh, I don't cover something that you're interested in. You think, well, what about this or how does it apply here? And many people have questions when they listen to a sermon. And if you want to extend the conversation... You can scan that QR code and there's a place for you to just ask a question. How does this, uh, you know, relevant to my life here? Or whatever question you may have. It could be theological, it could be applicational. But also, if there's ever a time where you're here and you know that it's time for you to cross that threshold and to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a way for you to indicate that as well. But then also, I guess about 25% of the time... When I'm preaching and teaching, I bring some kind of resource. I hold up a book. Half of you can't see it, right? <laughs> What's he talking about? And I'm showing you a book. Or last week I was talking about an essay about the wrath of God. And I just mention it and I keep going. And, and also there's a place for if you ever want to look more into a resource that I mention in a message, you can still scan that QR code and just say, hey, what was that resource that you were talking about? We just have a real passion to equip people to respond To the Word of God. This morning we're in Colossians 3, and we are going to be looking at how God equips people in their home to serve the Lord. We're rejoicing today uh, as we think about the reality that our God does not want us to be in the dark about what our life is supposed to look like uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to know that I have been struggling with my voice this morning. It was a little surprise the Lord gave me when I got here today. Uh, And so I've been praying hard between services. Lord, please don't let my voice be an obstacle to what you want to do in the life of people today. So if if my voice gets a little cracky, then just be gracious and pray for me and be patient. But this morning, let's look together in God's Word. Colossians chapter 3. Starting in verse 18, we're going to read all the way through chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, I don't know that there's another way to start this message than to just acknowledge some of the immediate challenges that we face when we hear uh, a text like this on a Sunday morning. Some of us Uh, have a challenge because we have a personal experience with a Christian in our life who maybe didn't live for Christ in their home. Uh, Maybe that person was just really on fire for the Lord when everybody was watching. But when you get behind a closed door where only the family is watching, they lived a different life. And so this morning as I read this text out loud, you may be reliving some of those memories... And, and already anger may be starting to well up in your heart because you're so frustrated that somebody in your life who professed to be a Christ follower did not follow Christ in the household. Some of us have a challenge because our personal experience is that someone was a Christian who misused this text at home. As I have been a pastor now over 20 years and have... Uh, worked with and ministered to women who are victims, even in the church, of domestic violence, this little text always peeks its head out of the narrative, being told, you must submit to me. You must obey me, no matter what it is or what it costs. And so maybe this morning, you or someone that you love Uh, Is in that memory of yours, and as I read this text, there's just something inside of you that raises up at these uh, thoughts. And so, maybe that's a reason that we face a challenge in hearing what God's Word actually says uh, to those who would be Christians in their home. Maybe we have a personal challenge. Because as we look at the text and we see the category that falls to us, we feel like we failed. There are some times that we look at God's word and we say to ourselves, oh, my goodness, I have so missed the mark here. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so distraught. And so maybe even this morning you're struggling with the tendency to reject and stop listening because you know that whatever category it is that falls to you in this text you have not been faithful to the lord in or maybe uh, you struggle in your personal experience because you look through the categories and you say i don't find myself in one of these categories i am neither a husband nor a wife i do not have children and my parents have passed i am not a person of authority over employees and nor do i have a supervisor i am free and retired and you may be thinking to yourself, how do I find some principles from God's Word today about harmony and peace in the home and the lordship of Jesus in every area and every segment of my life? And maybe that's why you might have a personal challenge. And then maybe you're here this morning, and if you're here this morning, and this is the first time that you're here, and maybe you're not a Christian, but you're interested in spiritual things, I just want to say I'm so glad that you're here. But I can understand where this might be an immediate challenge for you because the way that the scripture is written and the way that our culture teaches about marriage relationships and the home life is really different. And so the idea that God would have a vision for what our home would look like under Christ might be a new thought for you. So I'm saying all of that to make the point for a whole host of reasons when we read this text we may have an immediate challenge inside of us. I don't want to neglect that, but I do want to go on. If you have your notes, you see, I want to make three really big points today that I think are important for me to say and for all of us to hear. And the first one is about the the importance in our homes for the Lord to be central. So if you're making notes this morning, would you write down the centrality of the Lord must be present in the home. The reason I think that's important to say out loud is because if we're not careful, we'll begin to think and begin to see and behave, behave as though our expression and participation in the Christian faith occurs when we walk through these doors. Yes, I am a Christian and I practice my Christianity where? Well, at the fellowship. When do you practice your Christianity? On Sunday mornings usually, but if I'm a young adult, then on Monday nights. And if I'm in kids ministry on Tuesdays, and if I'm in student ministry on Thursdays. But I practice my faith when I'm at church. Now, if that's the perspective that you have, I don't want to tell you that you're wrong, because I want you to practice your faith when you're at the church. I personally love it when you practice your faith at the church, because I love to sit on the front row and listen to you practice your faith. As you're singing to the Lord and praying and praising the Lord. It is right to practice your faith in this building. But if you think that's the only place that you practice your faith, I want you to learn something this morning. I want you to learn that here tucked away in Colossians is this fantastic expectation of God Almighty. But before we get to the church house, The Christian faith is to be expressed in our home. And I was mentioning when Ben and Camila was here at the front dedicating their two precious daughters, that all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, it talks about, that was the scripture that I read this morning. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall teach these things to your kids. It doesn't say, we'll bring them to the temple and the priest can teach them. It said, no, the parents will teach the kids. So this is important for us to understand because there's a couple of dynamics at play. If you're a note taker, I want you to write these down. This creates, when the Lord is central in our home, this creates a discipleship dynamic. When every day that we wake up and Christ is central in our home... We learn to follow Jesus better. I mean, can you imagine how long it would take somebody to learn to follow Jesus if the only time they practice following Jesus is when they're sitting in these seats? But when Christ is central, it creates a discipleship dynamic in our homes. It also creates what I call a restorative dynamic. And I want to read to you this morning of what I wrote in my journal as I was getting ready for this message. I've been getting ready for this message for weeks. You know, we're going through Colossians. And so I read ahead at all of the different things and I've started like making notes and thinking through and I was looking at this text and I was just dreaming and praying and thinking and writing and journaling. And I just want to read you right out of my journal what I wrote. I wrote down about the Lord being central in our homes. Imagine... A powerful, life-transforming outpost for the kingdom of God on every single street in this country. Imagine the restoration. Imagine the help, the love, the ministry that could happen. If we changed our perception to this, my home is a small house church that exists for my neighbors, To find hope, rest, biblical love, and gracious truth. My home is a place for them to come watch what it looks like for a home to be under the Lordship of Christ. Think about that. When the Lord is central in homes, every home is an outpost for the kingdom of God. For neighbors and friends to look and to understand what it looks like for the kingdom of God. Of God to be on earth. For Jesus to be Lord. In a way. Now let me be clear. I want your friends and neighbors to come to the fellowship. But what if they never do? They should be able to find the fellowship in your home. I wrote one more thing before we move on. I just wanted to share this thought with you. And you know I've wrestled a lot with this thought. Because I know us preachers. We exaggerate a lot. I don't know if you knew that or not, but we pre- some of you preachers know. Sometimes we exaggerate. We say things out of hyperbole that are really like overstated, but we just want to make a point so we say it big style so that it will land for you. i got to tell you, when I say this statement, I really, I really believe it. I'm not overstating. I'm not speaking in hyperbole. I really believe this. If we, here's what I wrote, if we, every professing Christian... Were to get this right tomorrow, meaning Christ is Lord in our homes. If every professing Christian were to get this right tomorrow, we wouldn't recognize this country. I believe that. Imagine what would happen if the reign of God happened in every Christian's home. That's why this text is important. Because Paul is reminding the church. It's not just that little house church that you guys have going on. That is important. It is in every single house that Christ needs to be Lord. And it also creates an evangelistic dynamic. Similar to to the last point. With neighbors and friends. See the faith being lived out. Now admittedly imperfectly, right? Like it's not done perfectly. When we live out in the Nicholson household, the Christian faith, I don't know of a day that goes by that it's done perfectly. Is it done? Yes. But sometimes it isn't the best. But when our neighbors and our friends see the Nicholson family, not just living out the faith at the church, but in our home, they pay attention to the claims of Christ. It's an incredible evangelistic dynamic when we make Christ The central part of our home. So that's the big first point this morning. The centrality of the Lord must be present in the home. If the Lord is not central in the home, it doesn't matter what this church looks like. It doesn't matter how many crosses we display. It doesn't matter what the songs make us feel like. If Christ is not first in our homes, Christ will not be first in this church because we just bring who we are to the church. The second thing that I want to share with you this morning is that the church struggles with what this looks like, and that's okay. When you think about my my place in life, right? When you think about, okay, I'm a family of seven, or a family of ten, or I'm a family of one in my household, or there's all of us that are believers in our house, or there's only a couple that are believers in our house. You know, there's all different kinds of makeups that are here today from single uh, person homes to a lot of people living under one roof and a lot of different spiritual uh, uh, places that we are. Some of us are believers. Some of us are almost believers. Some of us have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Some of us are in rebellion. Right. And so the question is, what does Jesus being central in my home look like? And you may ask that question and go, man, that's hard for me to answer right now. So I just want you to know that if you're struggling with what that looks like, you're in good company. I mean, it's not lost on me that the Apostle Paul had to devote a, a, a segment of his letter and say, hey guys, let me teach you what it looks like when Christ is Lord in the house. The church needed that teaching. So this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, this morning if you're struggling to understand what that looks like, I don't want you to feel bad. If, you're, if you have a heart for God, and when you wake up in the morning, you say, Lord, I want you to reign in this home. Show me what that looks like. You're doing right. Keep struggling towards that. I don't mean, when I use the word struggle, I don't mean that in the sense of rebellion. Like if you're just in rebellion of these scriptures, then you need to come back to the Lord. So I don't mean that's okay. But struggling to understand what this looks like. It's okay. It's good. It means you're moving forward and you have a heart to obey the Lord. Let me give you this next point and then I'll take another drink of my water this morning. Uh, the next point that I, I want, this is the third big point that I want to share with you. I'll explain it and then we'll talk about these application questions. Uh, number three, this passage is likely the most misread text in all of the Bible. There is so much emotion infused into this passage. And I think that that's right. I think that I understand it. I think it's because these texts and these verses are seeking to shape the way that we express and have relationships in some of our most intimate and fundamental relationships. And any time you're talking about intimate and fundamental relationships, there is a ton of emotion that comes with that conversation. And yet still, I think that oftentimes we read this text wrong. I want to give you a term that I'll encourage you to write down. I think if you Google it, nothing will come up because it's a term I created. Or maybe it will. Just be careful. I don't know what will happen if you Google this term. But the term is reading with an exclusive category. I want to give you this warning today. Be careful of reading text like this through the lens of exclusive category. And that may seem a little vague or confusing. And that's the last thing that I want to happen for you today. So let me explain what I mean by that. I want you to be careful of a reading of this text. In which we assume other family members mentioned are not called to a similar action somewhere else in the scripture. That means that when we read the Bible, before we form a complete opinion about a specific doctrine, we need to ask ourselves, what does the rest of the Bible say about this? And here's what it means applied. Like, let's go back. Let's take husband and wife or wives and husbands for a second. Look with me in verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh. With them. If you're reading this through exclusive category, then you read it this way. Well, the wife's job is to submit, and the husband's job is to love. But pause and ask yourself this question Do you think that in Paul's writing of this text, he would ever want to lead us to a conclusion? That, like, take the wives, for example, that the wives aren't supposed to love their husbands. I mean, it doesn't say that. Look at it. It doesn't say that. It says husbands are to love wives. But it doesn't say wives are to love husbands. So are we supposed to form an opinion that says, well, uh, ladies, if you're married, guess what? You don't have to love your husband. I don't think so. Because we can go to other places in the scripture and see that there is also there a command that we're to love. And we're to love all people And I think if we're to love all people, then it's certainly fair to say that the person that you have a covenantal partnership with in life should be loved by you. I think that's an important thing for us to think about. Exclusive categories would read this to say, No, no, uh, wives don't have to actually love husbands. They only have to submit. Because it doesn't say that wives have to love husbands. You have to say, Come on. Surely there's, in the Bible, you find the place where it says we're to love. We're to love all people. I'll give you another one. Just because I know wives and husbands, very emotionally charged conversation. Let's go to another one. Let's look in, uh, let's look in verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Who's that a message to? Fathers. Fathers, according to Paul in Colossians chapter 3, they are not permitted under the reign of Christ to provoke their children so that they don't discourage them and exasperate them. But evidently, moms can. You see what I'm saying this morning? If we were to read this with exclusive category-only eyes, we would come to the conclusion... That it's okay for moms to do that. Or if we go on and we look at the bond servants. And we see that bond servants are called to do work with the sincerity of hearts. Right? As though they were doing it for the Lord. It doesn't say that wives are to be wives as unto the Lord with the sincerity of heart. It doesn't say that fathers are to be fathers with sincerity. It doesn't say that husbands have to be husbands with the sincerity of heart as unto the Lord. But can't we get there? Can't we understand that if we look through the word of God, we will find other texts that says, whatever you do, do it as unto God. So my submission to you this morning is that oftentimes when we come to this text, we're reading it through the category or through the lens of exclusive category. And I think that's a mistake to do that. I think it's a mistake to read the text that way. Now, if, if we were to read it in an alternative way, does that fix all the problems? No, because the problems have to be worked out in individual houses as people have set their heart to honor Jesus and to live for Jesus in their home. A, a simple reading isn't going to fix everything because oftentimes it isn't me understanding the correct thing, it's actually doing the correct thing in the home, you see. So the three big points this morning that I wanted to share with you before we turn our attention towards these questions that we can ask ourselves. The centrality of the Lord must be present in the home. And understanding what that looks like in our personal and unique situations can often be difficult to understand, but it's worth the effort. And, and that's what Paul is getting at. I want to equip you, O oh church, to live for Christ in your home. And the third main point that we made is that oftentimes uh, this passage is very much so misread. And if you misread it, you are usually going to misapply it. So the, the, the second portion of your note sheet says, What questions will be helpful for personal reflection? So we are transitioning from what we see in the text to how we respond to it. Uh, We've seen in the text that God has an expectation that Christ is central in our homes. We understood that Paul needed to write instructions to the church so that they could get it right because they struggled with that. And we thought about it for a moment and said uh, there might be a right and wrong way to read this text. So now... I want to give you four questions that I think will be helpful. They've been so helpful for me. I think that they'll be helpful for you. The first question. Am I aware of my default emotional response to this passage? Am I aware of my default emotional response to this text I think it's important for you and I to know when I read this text the emotion that washes over me and why that is the emotion that washes over me maybe it's the emotion of excitement I'm excited that in all of God's infinite wisdom, He chose to give us instruction on what it would look like for me to honor my God in my home. So some of us may feel excitement. Some of us may feel guilt or shame. You look at the text and you say, I failed here. And My immediate default emotional response is one of hanging my head down and feeling defeated. I don't... I don't want you to feel defeated today. I'm not here to throw stones. I didn't bring not a one rock with me. (laughs) I want you to be inspired to live for Jesus in your home. Or Maybe your default emotional response is, uh, is one of skepticism or guardedness. Well, who is the Bible to tell me to submit to anybody? Or, look, I can't help it. I just come home. And I'm in a bad mood and i let everybody have it. So I may be a husband or a father, but, you know, the difficulties of the day tremendously affect the emotional damage that I inflict on my wife and children. But the question is, how do you respond when you hear this text? I think that's important for us to work out. Because if we are sensing resistance... If, if we are sensing rebellion in this text, we need to say why. It may be because you've seen it misapplied. It may be that you've been victimized by it. I know that there are many, many women of God who've been abused by partners. Because it was under the umbrella of the faith, they've heard You must submit to your husband so many times in such a vicious way that they can hardly hear it read aloud from the Word of God without being nauseous. But I'm asking you this morning to identify your default response. And then ask yourself, which part of this text captures my attention first? Like, there's so many categories, right? There's so many different little verses that can pique our interest. There's so many different types of people that are mentioned here. As you read them, what what verse catches your heart first? And I do understand that there might be some who feel like there's not a category that speaks to them. So it's kind of hard to pick, right? Because you're looking for principles and, and you're looking for ways that God would speak to you in this text. You are unmarried, perhaps without children. Your parents are no longer living. And you're in that freedom season of retirement, as I said before. But I hope, I hope that when you read this text, if you do find yourself in one of these categories, that that's what you're drawn to. You know, as preachers, we always have the response at the end of a message. Somebody may come up to us and say, oh, Pastor Zach... You just preached a great sermon today. I wish so-and-so could have heard that. Now, I want to be clear. I wish so-and-so could have heard it too. But what happens sometimes is that we're listening on behalf of somebody else. And so maybe when I was reading wives and husbands, wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives. Children obey your parents. If you're a mom or dad in here and your child is sitting next to you, you likely went, I get it. But my heart is that the first thing that grips your heart is where the Word of God is speaking to you. I'm interested in what the Bible says about wives, although I'll never be one. But you know what I'm interested in more? Where the Word of God says, Husbands. Love your wives. Dads, don't provoke your children. Don't discourage them. Now, I know all of the word of God is important, but I can't read through that text without focusing on those two verses. What verses capture your heart first? Question three, can I see evidence in my home of Jesus being central? And so we've looked at the text. We understand that Christ is to reign in our homes. We started talking about how I respond to what I've been looking at and reading today. Where's my mind in all of this and what's my heart drawn to? But now what I'd like for us to do is just to pause and just look at your home and just ask this question. Can I see evidence of the centrality of the Lordship of Christ in my home? And if you look this morning and, and you take an honest look and you can't find <clears throat> in your home where a Christian family is, is not fulfilling these 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 principles, these commands, these demands, that it may be time, and I I mean this literally, it may be time for a family meeting where we all just sit down as a family and say, listen, when we read this text, I don't see it in our family. And it's time for us to renew our commitment to the Lordship of Jesus in our home. And we're going to pray together together We're going to be disciples in our home, not just at the church, but in our homes as well. And so maybe this morning, the the holiest response that you might have is a family meeting where you discuss this. or The fourth question, what specifically am I doing to fulfill God's call in my home? I'll use husbands because I am one. I'll use fathers because I am one. I, upon reading this text, should be able to articulate for you what I am currently doing to love my wife well. I should be able to articulate for you what I am currently doing so that I am nurturing to my children and I'm not provoking them to discouragement. Now, if I cannot, then the question becomes, okay, then what now? And that's where this question comes in. Can I identify what I'm currently doing? If I can't, then this question is for me. What am I going to do today? What am I going to do this week? What am I going to do moving forward so that I am being faithful to Christ in the way that the Lord is calling me to make Christ central in my home? I'm hesitant to use it because it's an incredibly secularized term, although I think that it could be greatly beneficial to us in this context. I think of the phrase action plan. What is my practical uh, application and action plan so that I can be who Christ has called me to be here? And I hope these four questions are helpful for you. I know that we're going to close now with just a a moment of prayer. But I want to say to you, thank you for your patience with my rebellious voice. (laughs) And thank you for listening with open hearts and eyes fixed on Christ. As we've thought about the text this morning. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those who are online with us live and those who will watch in the future. And I pray for my friends this morning who are sitting in this room, brothers and sisters from all different walks of life. That as we discover or rediscover this general principle of your Lordship, Not just of us at the church, but at home. That we would be refreshed. That our commitment to you would be renewed. That we would be reminded that this is a clear call to faithfulness to you. As well as to the people with whom we live. Lord, I pray for the wives who are here this morning as they continue to understand the word submit, the phrase as is fitting in the Lord, as they continue to work out what that looks like in their home. I pray for discernment. I pray the same for husbands. I pray the same for children. Lord, huh, I pray. For the children that are in this room this morning, that they would not see obedience to parents as undesirable, unpopular, unimportant, but that they would be filled by the Holy Spirit with a passion to have a deep and meaningful relationship with their parents that clearly begins with obedience. Oh Lord, how I pray for them. We also close our time, Lord, by praying for the peace of Jerusalem. It's hard to watch the news today Lord it's been hard for years but we know that you're sovereign we know that you have blessed your people and you have not forsaken we pray for an end to all conflict pray for the day that the lion will lay down with the lamb. We pray for the day that the swords will be melted and turned into other tools that bring life. We pray for revival in hearts and minds. We know, O Lord, that there is violence in many, many, many other places. We don't neglect that. We pray for that as well. But, O Lord, we pray once again that you would bless the people that you have blessed before. We pray for peace. overseas and in our homes and as we dismiss from this place to go back to our homes help us o oh lord to be true disciples not just here at the church but in our homes as well we pray in jesus name amen amen